0: May God add his blessing to the reading of the scriptures this morning, and may the words from my mouth be just what each of us needs to hear. Render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. The old saying goes that there are only two things that we can't avoid, and that is death and taxes. Some of you may remember the story of Lady Godiva, who was a real woman who rode through the streets of her town wearing no clothes. What you might not know is why she did such a scandalous thing. Does anybody know why she did that? Nobody knows why she did it, hardly. She was the wife, you see, of the Earl of Mercia, and supposedly she made her famous ride through the town of Coventry. She made a deal with her husband that he would promise to cut taxes. Now that's kind of an extreme way, I would say, to have taxes cut. One of my favorite IRS stories, though, is told by a lady named Donna Bell, who was an IRS employee. She says that she was working at her desk one day, and it was getting close to tax day, and it was, there was an elderly woman who approached her, and this woman said she needed a big stack of tax forms. And she said, why do you need so many? And She answered the lady, she said, well, my son is stationed overseas and he asked me to pick up some forms and send them there for the soldiers who are on his base. And she said, well, the the IRS lady said, well, you shouldn't have to do that. Uh, It's the base commander's job to make sure that all of the the people that are on the base get the forms that they need for taxes. And she said, I know I'm the base commander's mother. So even a base commander needed his mother's help in uh, dealing with the taxes and the tax forms. I know it's a long time until April 15th, and maybe you'd rather not think about it. Did you know that April 15th, by the way, some other things happened? It's not only income tax day, but it's also the day that the Titanic sunk. And did you know that April 15th is also the day that Abraham Lincoln was shot and killed? So it's not a good day, no matter how you look at it. Taxes are brought up every election. Should we add more taxes for the very wealthy? How can we cut the national debt without raising our taxes? Taxes were on the mind of Jesus' in Jesus' time of people in that day also. But paying taxes in those days, you see, was much different. Because when you paid taxes, you were helping support the Romans, who were ruling over Israel at the time, as I told the kids. Taxes were not paid to Israel, and the nation of Israel didn't benefit much from the taxes that the people paid in that day. It went straight to the Romans. And the Jews really, obviously, resented this. And the people of Israel, you know, were no different than any other occupied land. They hated to give their hard-earned money to the people that ruled over them. But they did. And on top of all that, the Roman tax could only be paid with a Roman coin. They also hated that, because on that Roman coin was a picture of Caesar. And the inscription on it read, Tiberius Caesar, son of the divine Augustus, high priest. This coin with Caesar's image on it, they felt like it violated the commandment, the second commandment. And that was not to create graven images, and they considered that to be a graven image. So the Pharisees and the followers of Herod, they thought that they had the upper hand when they, had, when they asked Jesus about paying taxes to Rome. They said, teacher, we know you're a man of integrity, and do you think they really meant that? I doubt it. We know that you're a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are. Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay the tax, the imperial tax, to Caesar or not? It was a no win, as I told the kids. It was a no win for Jesus, or so they thought. If he spoke against paying taxes, he would be in trouble with the Romans. If he spoke in favor of paying the taxes, then the common people. The Israelites would be angry with him. His enemies would have him just where they wanted him, either way. But Jesus knew what they were thinking. And first of all, he said, listen, you hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me like this? Show me the coin that you use for paying your taxes. So they brought him a denarius, and he looked at it, and he asked him, whose picture is this? And whose inscription is it? And they said, Caesar's. And he said, so give to Caesar what's due to Caesar. Give to God what is God's. When his enemies heard this, they were amazed. So amazed that they didn't have anything more to say. And they went away. Render unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's, unto God the things that are God's. We know what belongs to to Caesar, don't we? We know what belongs to the government. We're reminded at least once a year. Some of us are so lucky that we're reminded four times a year. But what about God? What do we owe God? Let's talk about that for a couple of minutes this morning. First of all, we do owe God some of our money. This church would not be here today. These walls would not be standing, and the ceiling wouldn't be above us, and it wouldn't be nice and warm in here today if it weren't for the fact that someone was paying, someone was giving their money in order to support the ministry and to keep the physical plant going. Whether you give a tithe, whether you give 10% or any amount, any fraction thereof, Whatever you give, you and I give to this church, we understand that giving is part of our responsibility as followers of Christ. And if we want this church to be here, and if we want it to be here for the generations to come, then it's up to us to support it financially so that that will happen. We'll be able to enjoy it, and so will people after we're gone. Well... Mark Sandburn is a motivational speaker. And in one of his, his books, he tells us about a friend of his who is now deceased, who is very, very well known in business circles. His name was Charlie Tremendous Jones. Charlie Tremendous Jones was an amazing salesman. He died in October of 2009. Charlie Jones had a tremendous attitude about life. Mark Sandburn called Charlie one of the most philanthropic people that he ever knew. He gave to others whenever he could. Throughout his life, he gave lavishly of his time. He gave of his money. And so Mark Sanborn was surprised when one day Charlie announced to him and to some of his other friends, I've given up on giving. Sanborn wrote these words. He said there had to be more to the story because we knew Charlie better than that. What would cause one of the most giving people on earth to give up on giving? Charlie explained why he had given up on giving. Everything I have in my life, he said, my potential, my time, all that I have and all that I ever am or hope to be was given to me. I've decided to spend the rest of my life returning rather than giving. Charlie was giving up on giving because he realized he hadn't really been giving in the first place. How can you give it when you don't own it, when it's not really yours? He realized that he wasn't really giving to God. He was returning to God what was already God's. I believe that most of us understand that but it's good to be reminded once in a while. A church like ours couldn't survive long if people just gave to God when they felt like it or when they felt inspired to do it. There are some people who give according to whether they like the pastor or whether they approve or disapprove of what the denomination is doing at this time. But the church depends on those people those much more mature people who give because they recognize that life and everything we have and everything we own is a gift from a loving God, and we are simply returning a portion of what God has given to us. Years ago, Louis Hauser of Houston, Texas, won $50,000, and it was a lot of money back then on who wants to be a millionaire. Here's the remarkable thing about Louise. Her name had been... Or her name. Her home had been badly damaged in Hurricane Ike just a few months before she won that $50,000. But she gave $10,000 of her winnings, that's 20%, to the West Houston Assistance Ministries, which was a food pantry where she volunteered. She also gave a large portion to her church. Louise said, My husband, Nick, and I have a very simple life. And we enjoy, but we don't require much of the stuff in life to be happy. I'm very blessed. Louise is right. She is blessed. She's beyond the measure of material goods. She is blessed with spiritual maturity, recognizing that none of it really belongs to her anyway. She understands that happiness doesn't come from having things. Happiness comes from being in a right relationship with God and with other people. The first thing we owe God is our money. The second thing we owe God is our service. Not just our service begrudgingly or because we think we have to, but we owe God our joyful service. I say joyful because the people who serve God with joy don't think of it as a duty. They don't think of it as something they have to do, but rather as a privilege. For them, service is a natural response to God's goodness to them and kindness to them. A magazine at one time created a award called the Faith in Life Award. And they wanted to recognize people who demonstrated their faith in everyday living. The readers were encouraged to submit letters of nomination to the Uh, paper, or to the magazine, telling stories of people who best lived their faith in their daily lives. A large number of the nominating letters that came in mentioned people who either, one, had attended church regularly for years, or two, had given a sizable amount of money to their church or favorite charity, or three, had done both. Many of these letters included newspaper clippings, Uh, that showed the dedication of the person who was being nominated for the award. Some people were surprised, though, when the winner of the award was announced. His letter of nomination had arrived at the newspaper in a letter which was written in crayon. The letter said this, Anthony is a plumber. He helped some people fix up a house for my friend's family because their house burned down. He also visits my grandmother in the nursing home, and he makes her happy with his stories and his harmonica playing. He is a lot like Jesus. I hope he wins. But if he doesn't, it won't matter. He'll still be the same good old Anthony. And it was signed, Love, Anne. I like that. He makes my grandmother happy with his stories and his harmonica playing. He is a lot like Jesus. Beautiful. There are people I've known through the years, like Anthony the Plumber. We have some Anthonys right here in this church. They take being a good neighbor seriously. They're consistently doing good things for other people. And as I look around this room and I think of some of you who are watching, you have been a good example of that same kind of life that Anthony is living. Anthony is like another man I read about recently whose name was Arnold Billy. For over 25 years, he was a mail carrier. He carried mail to a very rural area in southern New Jersey. And his daily route took him 63 miles each day through two different counties. And he was known as affectionately as Mr. Billy. He did more than just deliver the mail. He provided personal service. Anything a person might need to purchase from the post office, they just let him know, and he would bring them whatever they needed, stamps or packages or money order or whatever they needed. And all a customer needed to do if they needed help of any kind, was leave their flag up on the mailbox. There was even one elderly lady who had trouble starting her lawnmower. And so she would park her lawnmower underneath the mailbox, put the flag up, and Mr. Billy would stop and start her lawnmower for her so that she could mow her lawn. He was a public servant in the most real way. He gave a new definition to that term. There ought to be a special place in heaven for people like Anthony the Plumber and Arnold Billy, and I could name some names right now, but I won't because I don't want to embarrass them. But there ought to be a special place in heaven for our helper people who are always looking for others to help and looking for a kind deed to do for others. And we thank God for them. What do we owe God We owe God our money, we owe God our joyful service, but the most important thing that we owe God is ourselves. We need to understand this. More important than our material possessions, more important than anything else, more important than our acts of neighborliness, even though that's important, is that we have dedicated ourselves wholly completely, wholeheartedly to God. Whose image was engraved on the Roman coin? Caesar's. Whose image were you created in? You were created in God's image. Render unto Caesar what's Caesar's, and render unto God what is God's. In other words, as one who is created in the image of God, we owe our God not just a little bit, not just part of us, But we owe our God everything, everything that we hope to be. Many years ago, an American church leader named Wilbur Chapman asked the founder of the Salvation Army, who was a man named General William Booth, if he could explain why his work had done so well and why it was prospering so much. And he hesitated for a second. And then Dr. Chapman says, I saw tears come into his eyes and roll down his cheek. And then General Booth said to me, Sir, I will tell you the secret. God has all of me. There have been men with greater brains, men with greater opportunities, men with more money, but from the day I got the poor of London on my heart and a vision of what Jesus could do with the poor of London, I made up my mind that God would have all of William Booth that there was. And if there is any power in the Salvation Army today, he said, it is because God has all the adoration of my heart, all the power of my will, and all the influence of my life. What did William Booth give to God? All the adoration of his heart, all the influence of his life. Folks, We cannot hug God. We can't give God a dime. We can't show our love for God in any physical way. But we can love people. People who are made in the image of God and in the likeness of God. You can hug them. You can give them to them when they're in need. You can show them that you are very interested in their lives. You can give them your attention and your time. And in loving those people, you are loving God. Whose image was on the Roman coins? Caesar's. In whose image were we created? God's. Let's render unto Caesar things that are Caesar's, and unto God things that are God's. Amen. Amen.